Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. We have a future. This phrase started out at a board meeting, actually, and I'm pretty sure I wanted to do a high kick when I heard someone say it. Uh, but I, I don't think I actually did, but it was this moment um, that we as the board of directors were meeting and talking about our future, and I heard, I heard Lee Harrison say, we have a future, and I just stopped and I said, what did you just say? <laughs> say it again, and so she did. She said, we have a future. And sometimes, don't we, we need to just remember that we do have a future, let alone get into the details of what that future looks like, whether for ourselves personally or for our church. Sometimes it's just the moment that we recognize that there's hope. And that sort of hits in our soul that God really is with us. And that we are in safekeeping, as the video just showed us. So we celebrated our 21st birthday. We started to feel some excitement for both our past and our future. And then last week, Marcel talked to us about what it means to live into our calling. Oh, what a big question that is. What is God calling us to and where is the shepherd leading us? This week, we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew and we're going to talk about the harvest. It is harvest time, you know, and so let's hear a word about the harvest of God and how we can And are invited to participate in God's harvest. I'm reading from the message today. And this is just a little promo, not an ad. But, you know, I just want to say, if you are looking for a way to access scripture that feels a little more um, accessible for you in language, I really recommend the message. Um, So... Just, that's just a side note in your, in, your daily, in your daily life. But we're in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus has been traveling around and healing people and hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And all these unexpected characters get to be part of the story of God. People that other rabbis would have never included. People that the Pharisees weren't so sure lived up to the religious and the moral code, Jesus was welcoming them. Jesus was on the move. And this is what the message says um, to kind of sum up um, all that Jesus had been traveling and doing. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies healed their bruised and hurt lives. Their bruised and hurt lives. I love that language. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. 
so confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples, and how few workers. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Another translation says, what a great harvest. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And I'm starting to wonder if this should now be my call for more volunteers. I should just to start say, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. <laughs> I'll just start to say that when I know we need more volunteers. But this, this phrase has been living inside me this week, and I think about what it means. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. So oftentimes, the narrative that our culture gives us, and even the culture, the broader church culture, is that there's not enough, and that we have to work really hard at this faith thing. We always need to be struggling and sowing seeds that we may never see come to fruition. But Matthew says that Jesus describes the harvest as plenty. It's the laborers that are few. What if there actually is an abundance of opportunities to experience God and participate in God's kingdom? I'll say that again. What if there are actually an abundance of opportunities to participate in God's kingdom? What if faith isn't just something we have to work hard at all the time? What if God has already worked hard for us? What if the seeds have already been sown? And what if it's simply our job to show up to the harvest and get to work reaping what God has already sown. It's a different way of thinking about it, my friends, because it means that God is in charge. <laughs> what? What? Are you sure? You mean to say that we're not responsible for all the things all the time? That is exactly what I mean. I mean that it is God who nurtures creation. It is God who created all of us and created this spinning planet of chaos at times. And it is God who knows how to heal it. It is God that is healing it. But it is up to us to be laborers of the harvest. It's up to us to get our baskets out and collect the good things. And let ourselves be collected. Let ourselves be tended to by the Lord of the harvest, which is what Matthew calls Jesus, the Lord of the harvest.
What if there are hearts ready to be mended, hands ready to be held, children ready to be nurtured, women and minorities ready to be protected, souls ready to know the love of Jesus, sins ready to be forgiven, grace ready to be received. The harvest is plenty. It's the laborers that are few. As we approach this this season, we're approaching the end of the year. And I don't know about you, but it gets me thinking about what what a year we've been through, both personally and as a community. And I wonder what your harvest is looking like as you approach the end of this year. Could you take a minute to reflect on all that God has sown in your life throughout the past year? And what if in the next few weeks, instead of just being really busy shopping for Christmas and worrying about all the things to do, what if you took a moment, just one moment, and you thanked God for all that God has done, and you started to collect the harvest, you started to enjoy reaping the blessings of God? You started to change your posture to one of gratitude instead of one of bitterness. You started to thank God for every breath that God has sustained for you this year. Every challenge that God has walked you through. Every challenge that God has walked us through. Okay. (laughs) It's been a big year for life in Deep Ellum. And it's time to sit back and enjoy the harvest. Yes, there is work to do. Oh, my Lord, do I know. I know there is work to do. But this work can never come as a spirit of obligation. It can never be something we feel like we have to do. That's when we know we're not connected to the abundant spirit of God, period. When we feel like we have to do this one more thing and we have to do so many other things, that's not the spirit that cleans out closets. (laughs) You know who I'm looking at? Because if we saw the work ahead of us as a never-ending list of to-dos, oh, wow, we'd all just leave. We'd, we'd clear out the parking lot early. They wouldn't have to kick us out at 2 p.m. We would just go ahead and leave now because we would just feel overwhelmed by the burden of God's work. But God's work is not a burden. It's a harvest to be reaped. Marcel said this last week. He said that Vocation isn't, he's starting to think that vocation isn't just a calling on one person's life or this burden that one person carries. It's all of us discovering what we are called to do and sharing that calling together. That's what vocation is. So what is our vocation? Well, I think our vocation right now is to stay connected to the Spirit of God. 
period. Because it is that spirit that will sustain us, that will ask us to imagine, that will give us the creativity, the resources, the excitement for the future. It's only God's spirit that can do that. Nothing else can do that. Because remember, the field belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. And all of our harvest shifts will eventually come to an end. That sounds morbid, but we all will, we all will die eventually. And I don't mean that in a dark way. I just mean that we don't own God's kingdom. We are here for a long and glorious shift. And so we better show up for our shift. We're going to miss out on our one shift. We don't want to be those laborers, right? We have one shift. And so may we respond faithfully and say, God, I don't know where you're leading me. And I don't know what exactly this harvest is going to look like. And I don't know what kind of abundance is going to show up, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up because I believe that I am created to be a servant of God's kingdom. That's what we're created to do. When we're doing anything else, it's fun, it's cool, you're doing all your other things, that's great. But the feeling that you have deep in your soul when you show up, to work at God's harvest. You you remember on a deep level what you were really created for. Then the work becomes joyful. It's not out of obligation or bitterness. And it's not to earn you something. Ooh. Yeah, like there's no accomplishment awards. There's no best harvest labor of the year. There's no like, you know, fancy dinner you get to go to, like a gala and dress up and accept your award. But oh, is it worth it? Oh, how it's worth it to spend your life serving God. And if the word God doesn't connect with you, oh, how it's worth it spending your life in service to love, in service of creating communities of love. What good seeds has God already nurtured? And how can we relax And rest in the promise of what God has already done. I love how Eugene Peterson describes what the disciples are called to do. Y'all think about the first disciples. Like, that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) You're the first group. (laughs) You know, like, bless their hearts. 
and they didn't do a great job. <laughs> like they tried their best, but they didn't go down in history as these amazingly faithful people. They, they were trying to do what they could to follow this man who led them all over the Middle East and asked them to do hard things. They did their best. But they were human, just like us, and that should give us so much permission to show up for our shift. Because the people that have gone before us haven't gotten it perfectly. So we don't have to either. And in fact, reaching for perfection will prevent us from being present with God in the field. So listen to... um, Listen to how the message words this. Jesus sent out his 12 harvest hands, his harvest hands. I love that with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off fate, far off place to convert unbelievers. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Isn't that what so many do? And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. (laughs) Coming for us, isn't he, Eugene? Like, I want to be dramatic. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. Oh, Lord, do I feel that. (laughs) Because listen to this part. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. Woo! You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day, travel light. Travel light. We get so confused. And we mess ourselves up when we start to think that this church thing is some really complicated, massive project that needs so much equipment. What if it's simple? What if we are the harvest hands? What if our own hands are the things that need to get to work? What if it's not that Our building is out of order. What if our hands are out of order? But truly, we are the equipment. We are the equipment. We are the ones who will bring forth God's work. We have been treated generously so we can live generously. I'm excited to see what the harvest will look like here at Life in Deep Ellum. I'm already seeing signs of it. I'm seeing Aaron wanting to plan a 
monthly or very frequent mocha music night with local musicians, with a house band, not this Aaron, (laughs) although you can be part of it. I'm seeing children feel safe and feel like they can be themselves here. I'm seeing new families come, new faces. I'm seeing signs of a harvest. So let's get to work in making that happen. Amen. Mm -hmm.